Are you ready to be motivated? motivated? Are you ready to receive some advice on how to live life at the next level? Next level. Well, you are in the right place. For the next few moments, Dr. Sims, America's number one personal development expert, will give tips on how to live a motivated life. He will be interviewing successful people who have tipped the scale of life in their favor. Get your notebooks, get your pens, open your ears, and listen to America's number one personal development expert, Dr. Walter Sims. Well, hello, everybody. This is Dr. Walter Sims. I am America's number one personal development expert, and I'm so excited to have uh, a fellow sister, a friend of mine that I just met uh, by way of social media. She is so totally awesome. I'm not going to steal all of her thunder, but she is the founder of the Inner Mammal Institute. She's an author. She's a professor. She's a friend. She's so many things, and she's taking time out of her busy schedule uh, to spend a few moments with uh, with me and my listeners uh, to talk about this thing called positivity. Dr. Loretta Bruni, how you doing today, young lady? Great, thanks. Nice to be on here, and uh, thanks for having your show. Well, you know what? I, I just, again, uh, just thank you for uh, stopping by for a few moments. And, and, and I tell you what, let's start here. How did you start the Inner Mammal Institute, Doc? So I was a college professor for 25 years, and I was right. the person who loved psychology, and I followed what was going on in psychology. But I also had plenty of frustrations in my own life. And over time, I really saw that what I was learning in psychology didn't really fit reality. (laughs) Um, Right. Which one may have experienced that in whatever way they're taking in some theoretical worldview and then applying it to their kids, their students, their relationship. And so that's what got me exploring and trying to find better ways of explaining the emotional ups and downs that we feel. And um, I certainly, not just in my own life, but in my childhood, you know, I I had to deal with my mother's emotional ups and downs. So in my reading, I stumbled on the brain chemicals that cause our feelings and the fact that animals have the same brain chemicals that we have. And in animals, and, you know, animals don't use language, in animals these chemicals trigger concrete behaviors, and they're exactly the behaviors that motivate the animals to do what they need to survive. So that was so amazing to me, and it helped me um, understand why people are the way we, they are and feel more positive about it instead of just being frustrated. Wow, that is so awesome. So, so how, how do you take that, and, and, and we'll get on into our interview, so how do you take that template, if you will, and apply it to, to the things that we're going through in our, in, in our society? I, I heard one young man uh, that interviewed you talking about the happy brain, habits of the happy brain. He said he just was not built to deal with a lot of things that's going on, so that's why he fasts from the news, if you will. He kind of Boycott the news, if you will. Now, are you are you a news boycotter, or do you have mechanisms that you can deal with a lot of the bad news that happen uh, in our society? Uh, I'm a news boycotter. I don't think okay. news is reality. I think it's a construction that's designed to create a certain perception. Uh, oh wow! And it's 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 designed to get you upset. Um, it's 
designed to help you understand your experience in a way that is mediated by um, a group with an agenda that does not have your well-being at heart. Um, it's a, to me, it's a substitute for religion. And okay. Whether a person is religious or not, I don't think um, political anger is a good substitute for for a, 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 the worldview that motivates a person. Oh, wow. Wow. I like that. I like that. So when you were studying about uh, uh, mammals, et cetera, and how their, uh, their chemical makeup is a lot like ours, if you will, spend a few moments talking about those four chemicals uh, that, that make up the, the happy brain from dopamine to endorphins. Kind of talk about each one of those chemicals real quickly, and then we'll, we'll segue into how to create another circle of positivity. Sure. And I might also add, because that, that may seem like, well, how does, what does this have to do with listening to the news or not? So let me give you an example. In the, okay. animal, world, in the animal world, every animal has threats in its life. A lot of animals have predators. They have hunger. And animals stick together in order to meet their needs and survive. But when they stick together, they have plenty of conflict in their groups. So they only stick together when they confront a common enemy. So in my book, Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So the news is like a way of saying you should be so worried about this enemy that you feel good about this other person, even though you may have plenty of friction with them too. And so it focuses you on certain war with the world instead of focusing on, I have power to meet my needs. I have power to feel good. I have power to shape my own life rather than having to shape it through this illusion of a story that's being controlled by journalists. Okay, that's good. That's a good point. That's an excellent point, Doc. Okay, let's talk about those, those happy chemicals that all of us have access to. Okay, so there are four of them, dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, and endorphin. And many people have heard little bits about them, but we never hear about how they work in animals. We mostly just hear how they're related to disease. So okay. So dopamine is the great feeling of joy and excitement when you anticipate a reward. So a familiar example would be if you see the finish line in a marathon. You're like, wow, I'm almost, I can almost get it. I'm, almost, I'm just about to get it. And another example, let's say you bake a loaf of bread and you yeah. worked hard doing all this and then you smell it baking in the oven and you're so excited and you can't wait. So it's like something good is going to happen, something good is going to happen. And the reason we have that chemical is because in the world of our ancestors, there was no refrigerator and no processed food. So you were going to go hungry unless you found food every few hours. So dopamine is, the, is that chemical that makes you feel good when you look in the distance and you say, oh, I think I see some food over there. And it releases your energy that motivates you to step toward it 
And then the dopamine stops once you get what you want. And in the state of nature, that's because, you know, you, you got the piece of fruit, you ate it, you rested and digested, and then in a few hours you had to find more food, and dopamine made it feel good. So that's why we are not designed to feel good by sitting around on the couch. We are designed to keep needing to strive. And as much as that can frustrate us and lots of, you know, self-help books, say you shouldn't strive, but that is the job that our brain is designed to do. So we right. are challenged to sort of keep it under control and not drive ourselves nuts. <laughs> so the next happy chemical is oxytocin. And this is the good feeling you could say, I'm accepted, I'm belonging, I'm with my mm-hmm. herd, all for one and one for all. I got your back, you got my back. But that is the idealized version of it that we might see in the movies. So in the animal world, like I said, um, every animal has a herd, um, whether it's, you know, um, gazelles, lions, um, wolves, and monkeys. And the rules of their herd have different constraints. But in every case, being with the herd feels safe. Leaving the herd you lose that sense of safety. So oxytocin is that feeling of I'm safe because I'm with my group. Um, but, you know, your group can get on your nerves. So then you That's have true. a bad choice. Yeah. So then you have a bad choice. It's like, cause like when you leave the group, then you feel like, uh-oh, now I'm really in danger. But when you go back to the group, they get on your nerves. So we all have this same frustration. And the way the brain works is once I have the safety of a group, then my brain longs for what I don't have, which is, you know, um, walking to greener pasture and meeting my own needs. But if I'm walking to greener pasture and meeting my own needs, then my brain is worried about having the safety of the group. So our brain is designed to focus on the unmet need, and that's why we so easily fall into this frustration of, of the thing we don't have instead of appreciating the thing we have. Wow, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah. So um, the next chemical is serotonin. And that is, you know, we hear a lot about that in the context of antidepressants. And research about 50 years ago um, showed that animals have a lot of um, competitiveness in their groups. And some animals get more of the rewards than others. The stronger animal dominates the food, dominates the mating opportunity, and other individuals struggle to get their share of the food and the mating opportunity. Now, if if a monkey reaches for a reward and there's a stronger individual there, the stronger baboon will bite them, and that's painful. And so Our brain is designed to avoid pain, to avoid conflict. But if you only avoid pain and conflict, then you never get the food or the mating opportunity. So we need a way to feel good about taking a chance and asserting ourselves. And that's what serotonin is. And the way it works is your brain, the mammal brain, constantly compares you with the monkey next to you. And when you feel weak compared to them, it releases cortisol, the bad feeling that holds you back. When you feel strong compared to them, you release serotonin, and that's the good feeling that says, I can get the banana, I can get the mating opportunity. Now, 
this is hard to manage for everyone because if you're a jerk and you're always thinking that you're stronger than everyone else and grabbing everyone's bananas, then you will be excluded from the group and lose out on your oxytocin. But if you never feel strong, then you never get the banana, and then you're not going to meet your needs and get the dopamine. So, wow. So it's a, it's a catch-22, isn't it? Yeah. Every one of these is a catch-22, and that's why wow. life is hard. There's no <laughs> What you say? What you say? That's why, that's why life is a challenge, huh, Doc? So and there's no pill that can make it. There's no perfect society. There's no politician. There's nobody that can make it different. So what can make it different? So the bottom line, first I should mention, so what makes us different from animals is we have a brain that can anticipate the future. So we can anticipate the consequences of our actions. So, for wow. example, if a, if a gazelle runs away from a lion, then the gazelle feels safe. But the human says, lion's still there you know i may have escaped the lion now but it's still there so we worry about what if this what if this what if this so that's the challenge of being human is that um we can meet our needs but then we always worry about the next potential threat so the way to be happy is to spend what i I say three minutes a day one minute three times a day Focusing on the positives. There you go. There you go. Yeah. You have the rest of the day to worry about the negative. Um, But your fear of the negative is a circuit in your brain that built from past experience, and it turns on the bad feeling of cortisol every time you think of something that could go wrong. So you have to build up the circuit that expects the positive Otherwise, you'll just be turning on the bad feelings all the time. So if you stop for one minute three times a day and think of ways that you feel strong, think of ways that you feel protected by a group, think of ways that you can get that next banana and focus on that for one minute, then you give yourself a chance to have the positive circuit to get some of your energy instead of putting all of your energy into the negative anticipation. Oh, that is good. And so you say, I read in your, in your article, your blog, and your book, you say do this for 45 days. What is the magic? Because in one of the books I wrote about, I studied, it says do something repeatedly for 21 days, but you're a proponent of doing it for 45 days. It's, it's one minute, three times a day for 45 days. What's the magic about 45, Dr. Loretta? Well, I'm I, – I, so – The way I got the number 45 is I was in this yoga class where they were trying to explain to us the power of old habits. And they said, um, uh, clasp your hands right now, everyone, clasp your hands and look at which thumb is on top. Now, switch your thumbs to put the other thumb on top. And it feels so weird that you feel like you're holding hands with someone else. (laughs) Wow. So that's an, and they said it will take 45 days to retrain yourself to feel normal with the other thumb on top. And I thought that was so cool because it shows that even like when there's nothing wrong, just a simple, ordinary example, it just shows how deep our wiring is and wow. how much repetition it takes. Yeah. Um, so the idea, of course, is that when you want to build a positive habit, 
you want to do it for the rest of your life. You're not going to stop after 45 days. So if right. you got it down after 21 days, great. But the point is that a lot of people, they say, oh, I can, you know, I can go back and do it any time, but I'm going to take today off. And we all know that when you take today off, that you often take tomorrow off and the next day off, and you think you can go back any time. So these habits are very deep. And the reason they're deep, and this is like a long story. I'll make it very short. But we we are born with brains that are not wired, and we wire our brains in the first seven years of life. So that early wiring is very, very strong because you can't think without it. Your brain uses the wiring it has. Now, you may say, well, that's pretty dumb. Why would your brain wire you in the first seven years of life when you're not a genius? But the answer is because, uh, like, a a lizard is born with a brain that's pre-wired, and the lizard runs away from home the minute it's born. And a mouse runs away from home a month after it's born. A monkey runs away from home um, a year after it's born. An ape? can leave home seven years after it's born. So we humans take a really long time to wire ourselves up. And although we may want to dismiss our early wiring, it's, it's the actual highway system of your brain. So after that, you can change a little here and there, but those highways are very powerful. So you need to understand them, to work with them, to build on to them, if you think you're going to just ignore them, then they end up running you. That you know what, and and so you also, it is so very true. You know the work that you and I do. I'm a life coach as well, and you're a psychologist. And uh, when it when people say it's hard for them to change, we should take note of that. It's it's very difficult to change habits, isn't it? Absolutely, yes. Yes, it's difficult to change after puberty um, of when I, I was rushing through this, but our brain builds its circuits before age eight, but then we get another spurt of neuroplasticity during puberty. And the easy way to understand that is in the state of nature, you often move to a new place in order to find mating opportunity. And so right. our brains are designed to rewire the, our, themselves during puberty. So I call it high school brain. So everybody has high school brain, you know. And after that, a way to think about it is it's hard to build new branches on your tree. It's hard to carve a new path through the jungle. So you can, as an adult, you can carve tiny new trails and you can have the confidence to operate on tiny new trails rather than always looking for an easy highway to coast down. Wow. You, doc, doc, I could listen to you all day. You are so, you are so awesome, you know. I, well, let, let me ask you this. If you don't mind uh, sharing some of your tricks of the trade with our listeners, so how do you stay so upbeat? Because every video, every interview, uh, that I've watched and listened to you, you are always so upbeat. You're, 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 you're preaching positivity. You're, you're on 100 all the time. So what's your, what's your secret? What do you hang your hat on to kind of stay where you are? Oh, thanks. Okay, um, I'll give you some short-run answers and long-run answers. Okay. Yes, ma'am. So the long-run answer, so I didn't know this when I was – 
a working mother. And I was always exhausted and frustrated like everybody else. And I deeply regret that I didn't know this stuff when I was raising my kids. And I deeply regret that I didn't understand this while my mother was alive in order to sort of be (laughs) more appreciative of her pain. Um, But when I was young, so I was expected to um, merge with my mother's pain. And I was like, no way am I going to do that. That's a bad deal. I mean, I tried it. You know, I tried and tried it. And it didn't work. Like, you merge with someone else's pain, doesn't make them happy, and you're miserable. That's right. So so that's that's a big part of, like, my early experience trained me to not accept it so easy. But I kept looking, and it took me many, many decades. And finally, when my kids left home, I took early retirement, and I had more of an opportunity to build this. Um, Also, I have to say that... um, I, I, when I was teaching, I taught large classes with 150 people, and most of them were non-native English speakers, and most of them came from Asia. So I had to work really hard to keep their attention. <laughs> right. So, I mean, just because it's so hard to listen, you know, in a big group to a foreign language. So, um, so that's part of my experience. But now, what do I do to feel good myself? Now, I so remember in the past, like, shoveling food in my mouth um, when I was exhausted and then, like, everybody saying, why did I do that? And one of the answers I came up with was, well, I'm exhausted, and I didn't give myself permission to take a break in other ways. So I took a break while shoveling food in my mouth, thinking that then I would get back to work or something. So that's when I realized, you know what, I need to give myself a break and in other ways. And so that's one of the things I do. And I have a a wonderful husband who um, takes breaks with me, um, and we plan our breaks. And I have to say that my husband and I do not understand each other on everything. I think a lot of people have idealized views of relationships from the movies and counseling. So I, you know, if I spent the rest of my life looking for someone who understands me on everything, then I may end up with no one. So instead, I have someone that respects me. And so I think, geez, I'm really lucky that he doesn't criticize me. So why don't I just stop criticizing him? And then <laughs> that is so good. You know what? I'm going to uh I'm going to have you back in the very near future and let's talk about uh uh men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Let's talk about the difference between men and women and what you just said is that he respects you at the end of the day and he allows you to be Loretta, doesn't he? Uh yes, but I have to say that he 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 allows it but he doesn't absorb it. And uh, in a way, I say that my books are mostly dedicated to him because he is a scientist and he does not acknowledge that he has any feelings at all. So I tried so hard to to explain to him that everyone has feelings and maybe all those efforts to explain to him. uh, (laughs) um, You know, scientists 
will never use the word I, like they're trained to believe in their own objectivity. And, you know, I got frustrated with this for so long, and then, like I said, I thought, well, you know what? He doesn't criticize me, so I'm going to stop criticizing him. And I have to say that I listened to Steve Harvey a bit, and I did learn this from him and and others, but he's good on this point. That is good. That is so good, Doc. So, so what's next for you, uh, Doctor Loretta? You you have done some wonderful things uh, with your institute, with your books, with your teaching, uh, with speaking, and all of the the things that you're doing on your Facebook uh, group page. What what's next for you on your bucket list? Oh, thanks so much. Um, well, uh, first, I. I have been very much educated by evolutionary psychology, which tells us that our brain mostly cares about the survival of our genes, and I'm quite aging, and so we focus on what's going to come after us. And so uh, I have the good fortune of having a grandchild on the way. Okay. Um, However, um, that is no effort on my part, I must say, and (laughs) will not involve me very much. So I'm always sort of giving birth to another book. <laughs> and, that is um, awesome. Okay. So um, I'm always like I can't stop thinking about the next book. So I right now I have a contract for a book that has a, a harsh due date, and part of me can't wait to relax, and then part of me can't wait to think about the next book. So the book I'm in the middle of is about anxiety. And okay. I'm dreaming of is about conformity uh, because conformity is another animal behavior that is part of our frustration that we can all learn to feel more relaxed about. That is so awesome. I, You know what, I thoroughly, I have thoroughly enjoyed this interview, and I thank you for being so kind-hearted to uh, take my request to be on my show. How can people follow you and, and keep up with Dr. Loretta Bruning? Thanks. Um, my website is innermammalinstitute.org, innermammalinstitute.org. And if you go there, there's a free five-day happy chemical jumpstart, which is five emails once a day on each of the happy chemicals, summarizing it. I also have it in videos, and they're nice short five-minute video series that you'll see on there. Uh, I have lots of graphics and podcasts and blog posts. And um, I really recommend um, my blog post called Why It's Always High School in Your Brain. Wow, wow. That is so awesome. Well, again, thank you for uh, these few moments. And and just know uh, that you have a a secret admirer out here in cyberspace. I am so fond of what you're doing because I am a big, big, big proponent of positivity. And uh, I I thank you for your work. I thank you for what you're doing. And uh, I appreciate you for being here. And, guys, you guys hold tight. We'll be right back with your motivational moment in just a moment. So, again, Dr. Loretta, thank you. And, guys, hold tight. We'll be right back. Thanks for having me. 